Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. Today, we are going to be talking about something extremely powerful. Something that has started world wars and also negotiated peace between bitter enemies. Something that has led to lifelong loves and something that has also broken up families. Something that every single one of us uses 15,000 of every day and it takes 72 muscles to produce. Today we're gonna be talking about our words because words hold tremendous power. Which is why Jesus cared a lot about the way that we use our words and the way that we speak. And we're gonna see that in our scripture for today. So if you've got your Bibles, if you've got a Bible app and a cell phone, you can go ahead and uh, open those up or turn those on. We're going to be in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Luke this morning. Uh, But as you get there, again, sixth chapter, verses 43 through 45, and as you get there, I want to tell you uh, a little bit about the background behind this text. This comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. So this is Luke's version of Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. And the first half of Luke 6 tells us kind of what leads to Jesus preaching this sermon. Jesus has spent the night on a mountain and he's been praying to God. And then two days later, he gathers his disciples and he selects 12 of them whom he names apostles. And then on the way down from the mountain, the Bible says that Jesus stood at a level place and many people had gathered there and he begins to preach this sermon on the plain. And in it, we have lots of big ideas, lots of important stuff. Uh, As Pastor John might say, a lot of bucket one items. He's been using that terminology quite a lot this week with his staff. I bet he will continue to do that, but uh, a lot of bucket one stuff. Remember, Jesus has just put together his 12 disciples. And so this is him teaching them some of the primary foundational ways that he expects them to live in the world. And so he says some things that we might remember, like love your enemy, turn the other cheek, treat others the way that you wanna be treated, don't judge and you won't be judged. Remove the log from your own eye before you start worrying about the splinter in your neighbor's eye. He says all of these, these big, Things And then one of the last things that he preaches is this, our scripture for today. This is Luke 6, 43 through 45. Hear the word of our Lord. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For people do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Jesus has just said all of these really important things, and he gets to the end and he says, watch your heart, and also watch your mouth. He reminds the disciples that their words matter. 
that they need to watch their hearts because the fruit that they will produce in the form of speech is important. And the fruit that we produce, the words that we produce are extremely powerful. They matter. And look, I know this isn't like an extremely novel idea. We all know this. We know the power that words can have, especially negative words. Because a hurtful word just sticks with you like nothing else. I'm sure many of us can recall some of the unkind things that have been said to us in our lives. I still vividly remember a senior girl in my high school who came up to me, uh, I'd just gotten a haircut, I was a sophomore, and she, she told me that I looked like a discount Justin Bieber. <laughs> and your laughter kind of affirms that she was right, I guess. Uh, look, those things are hard to forget. Sometimes it feels like 10 compliments, 10 affirmations, 10 encouragements are wiped out by a single criticism. You could ask anybody who preaches for a living and they will tell you that that is absolutely true. Unkind, negative words are sticky. Which is why we have to be sure that we aren't careless with our words. And this isn't something we see just in the Gospel of Luke. The witness of scripture speaks this to us over and over again. It's a lesson we see throughout the Bible. James, the brother of Jesus, calls our tongue a restless evil full of deadly poison. That is some strong language. And Proverbs 18, uh, 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And in Matthew, Jesus is speaking to a crowd and he says, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. These people are so concerned about what they're eating, what they're consuming. Jesus says, look, that's not what is defiling you. What's defiling you is what's coming out of your mouth. The Bible is clear that if we are careless with our words, we can get ourselves into trouble. And again, I'm guessing that we know this because probably every single person in here, every single person watching online has done this. We've all put our foot in our mouth, probably a lot of times. I know I have. I've Told y'all this story before, but when I was in college, I transferred to the University of Arkansas, Wupig Sui, uh, from a small liberal arts college in Mississippi. And early on in my time there, I was, I had just gotten to the hill, I had, hadn't been in Fayetteville very long, and I was kind of in the process of making friends, and so I didn't know many people. Uh, but I did have a buddy who called me up one night, and he invited me to come over to uh, this girl's apartment. She was having some people over, and they were going to watch the Cowboys game. So I tagged along, and I knew the group of girls, but not super well. Uh, but still, I figured, you know what, this will be fun. So I go, and we're watching the game, and I think it was the first game of the season. The boys were playing the 49ers, and they were losing at halftime, 28 to three. Shocker. And <laughs> I am a long-suffering Cowboys fan. Uh, I was only two years old the last time they won a Super Bowl. And and so I'm watching this game, and I'm upset. I'm frustrated. And so I started complaining about the Cowboys, about all the things they're doing wrong, because I'm sure that if they just give me the headset, I've got this. Right? I'm a sophomore in college, so I'm pretty certain that I could fix everything. Uh, and I get on a roll, and I begin talking about the Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones. And I was saying some 
not so nice stuff. And as I did, this girl begins talking with me. And she seems to have this like deep well of Cowboys knowledge. And so we're talking back and forth and she's making the case that the Dallas Cowboys are in good hands with the Jones family and I'm disagreeing. And I finally made the statement that I didn't think that the Dallas Cowboys would get another Super Bowl ring until Jerry Jones passed on to glory. (laughs) Well, I said that and I noticed that my buddy across the room looked horrified. And this girl that I had been talking to paused and finally she said, well, you know, Papa does his best. (laughs) I thought, Papa? What a weird thing to call your favorite team's owner. It's, It's a little creepy. And so I asked her why she referred to him that way and she said, Sam, Jerry Jones is my grandfather. Well, of course, I had no idea, although you would think that somebody would have given me a heads up, but uh, they didn't. Um, I had no idea, I apologized profusely for trash talking her grandfather to her face and she was super sweet about it and uh, we laughed it off. We actually remained friends throughout college. It was actually through that group of girls that I would later meet my wife, Hannah. But I learned that day what the Bible teaches us over and over and over again about our words that if we are careless with them, they can get away from us really quickly and they can do real damage. And this is a lesson that I have continued to learn because the story doesn't end there. I've shared this story before. Uh, I told y'all this story one time, four years ago, and my words have gotten away from me again. Since telling that story, it has apparently morphed and been retold in various different ways. And I know that because I've had several people, I've had several of you come up to me and ask questions about it. So I had one person who uh, talked to me about how I was married into the Jones family, (laughs) which would be pretty awesome because they have a really nice suite at the games, if you haven't noticed. Uh, Somebody else asked me about the time that I screamed in Jerry's face. Never did that. Uh, And then my favorite rumor, by far, my favorite rumor is that I had several people for some reason think that I played football for the Arkansas Razorbacks. (laughs) That I was a D1 athlete. (laughs) Which is, let me tell you, a rumor I loved, but it is unfortunately untrue. And also, just to make it really clear so that my words don't get away from me yet again, this picture is very poorly photoshopped. That should be obvious. Uh, (laughs) Look, the point is, our words can get away from us so easily. And they can hurt people, and they can start rumors, and they can morph and change, and they can do damage even when we don't mean them to. Which is why we have to be so intentional about the way that we speak. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, believed this wholeheartedly. Uh, He had a famous sermon called The Cure for Evil Speaking. It's one that we studied as a pastoral staff three or four years ago. And he tackled this idea. And in this sermon, he he says something that, that has always stuck with me. This is what Wesley said about the way we use our mouths. He said, see that you speak evil of no man. Of the absent, nothing but good. Let this be the distinguishing mark of a Methodist. He scorns no man behind his back. 
and by this fruit ye may know him. What a blessed effect of this self-denial should we quickly feel in our hearts. I love that. Wesley says, be sure you speak evil of no man and let this be our defining quality. And then he poses this question. He says, what if the distinguishing mark of all of us who call ourselves Methodists was that we didn't speak ill of others? And I wonder, what if we took it a step further? What if the distinguishing mark of a Methodist was that we spoke kindly that we made an intentional effort to bear fruit that uplifted and empowered and liberated and encouraged. Because I think that's what Jesus is getting at in our scripture. Remember what we just read. Jesus says, for each tree is known by its fruit. The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths speak. Jesus is calling us to bear good fruit, to speak out of the abundance of love and hope and joy and peace that is within us. And that's where I think Wesley came up just a little short. Yes, it is great for us to to not say negative stuff, to not gossip, to not talk behind other people's backs, but we shouldn't stop there. Jesus, as he so often does, encourages us, urges us really, to go a step further. He doesn't just want us to not produce bad fruit, he wants us to produce good fruit. Because words have power. Negative, unkind, foolish words are powerful, but so are helpful kind, encouraging, loving, positive words. And so what would it look like if we not only didn't speak the bad stuff, but did speak the good stuff? What would it look like if this was our distinguishing mark? What would it look like if we, if we really learned to speak the way our Savior did? Because Jesus was extremely intentional in the way that he used words. He used his words masterfully. And so let's look at the way that he spoke. He spoke words of invitation. He said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. He said, y'all come on, everybody's welcome. And Jesus spoke words of comfort. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are you who mourn, you're gonna be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are you who are hungry and thirsty, because you're gonna be satisfied. And he spoke words of encouragement. Jesus heals many people in scripture, and when they would thank him and praise him, he would often deflect. And he would say, no, no, it's your faith that made you well. How amazing is that? How encouraging. He says, no, it's your faith, it's your belief in a God who heals that healed. And he spoke words of hope. In the Gospel of John, he says, in my Father's house there are many rooms and I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am you may be also. 
And he spoke words of forgiveness. On a cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In the midst of the most unimaginable suffering and pain as he hung on a cross in front of crowds that mocked him with their words, he was still using his words to speak mercy, to speak love, to express kindness on a cross. Out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth spoke life. Even today, we're gonna close this service by hearing the words of Jesus. We're gonna receive communion. And as we do, we hear his direct words to us today. He says, this is my body and this is my blood and it was given for you. Those are his words to us, to you, today. That he gave his body and his blood for us. And so as we receive communion here in just a moment, I want us to really hear the words that Jesus speaks. Because words are powerful. And his words to us didn't stop 2,000 years ago. He is still speaking today, using his words intentionally as he always did. Encouraging us, expressing love to us, bearing good fruit. Which is why it's not enough for us to just not say unkind things, to just not produce the bad fruit. We've got to say kind things. We've got to produce the good fruit too. We've got to share words of hope and encouragement and love. We've got to speak like Jesus. Because there are 170,000 words in the English language. And the average American will speak 680 million words in their lifetime. And so the question is, which words are we choosing? And how can we choose the better ones more often? This is something I've been thinking about for the last week or two as I've prepared uh, for this morning. How do I make bearing good fruit, how do I make saying the good stuff into a habit? And here's what I came up with. I decided to try a little experiment. Um, I wear a God is big enough bracelet every single day. Uh, I know a lot of us do. And I have worn this bracelet for the last six and a half years that I have been employed here at White's Chapel. But I decided to do something a little different with my bracelet this week. Every morning for the last seven or eight days when I woke up, I would flip my bracelet inside out. And I decided that I wasn't allowed to flip it back until I had said a kind, genuine word of encouragement or love or appreciation to somebody. Didn't have to be much, just something. And some days it happened really quickly. Some days it happened when I was getting my morning smoothie, because I love a morning smoothie. Some days it, it happened when I was getting a haircut. And I will confess, some days it took me until probably far too late in the day until I did this. And for some of those days, I spoke it to someone close to me. And other days, it was, it was a friend on the phone. And sometimes it was just a stranger. But I will tell you what, I love what this silly little practice forced me to do. It forced me to look at the people around me and scan them for good. It was like a little game. 
I was trying to notice the things that I could compliment them on or, or find the moments that I could express my gratitude for their place in my life. And this genuinely impacted and improved my week. And so I wanna challenge all of us with that. If you've got a God is big enough bracelet on right now, flip it inside out. And until you say a genuine kind word of love or encouragement to somebody, leave it that way. And do this for me just today. And if it's not your thing, that's totally fine. But if it is a powerful exercise for you, like it has been for me, maybe try doing it all week. Because look around you right now. There are a lot of people in this room. Imagine if all of us took the time and made the effort to speak just one additional word of kindness and love. What could that do? What kind of ripple effect could that have in our community? And what if the distinguishing mark of a Whitechapel Methodist wasn't just that we didn't speak badly about other people, but that we did speak life? How will you use those 170,000 words in the English language? Those 72 muscles, those 15,000 words a day, those 680 million words in your lifetime? Will we use them to tear down? Will we insult billionaires' granddaughters and let our words get away from us? Will we default to gossip and criticism and disparagement or will we speak life? Will we let the distinguishing mark of a Methodist be our kind words? Will we flip our bracelets inside out and speak love out of the abundance of our hearts? Because Jesus did, and so should we. Hallelujah, amen. Will you pray with me? God, we confess that for some of us, criticizing and gossiping, this is our favorite sin. This is one that we struggle with so much. And so Lord, my prayer for all of us this morning is that you would help guide us, help us to speak a little more kindly, to find places where we can offer encouragement, to find moments when we can express our gratitude for all of the people in our lives. God, remind us in little ways, through inside-out bracelets, through little moments of serendipity, that our words have power. Remind us to speak the way that you did through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray all of this in his name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.